Lord God, you are faithful. You are faithful now and forever. In the good times, the bad times, today as we talk about the topic of suffering and where are you in the face of suffering, the reality is you're always with us. And help us understand what that means and how you desire for us to act when we face suffering. We pray this in your name. Amen. Today we begin a new series called Here Comes Life. And the first thing I want to do, I want to give you a homework assignment. Um, it's a technology assignment. And for those of you that have smartphones or a, you know, maybe you have an iPad or just you know, some, even a computer, there's an app. It's called Project Connect. It's from the Lutheran Hour Ministry. So you put in Project Connect, Lutheran Hour Ministry. It should come up. And it's a series, a free app. It's a series about more than, I think it's like 30-some different brochures on any topic you can imagine. And the great thing about it, it's not just a great thing for you to have for yourself, but it's something you can actually email um, or, you know, send these, these on to other people. For example, let's say you have a friend that's struggling with cancer. There's an, actually a brochure um, on that topic, written very well, just, you know, filled with a lot of scripture and, and hope from, you know, God's word. And, and, um, and so I want to encourage you to get this app on your phone, your computer, and as people go through various challenges, there's almost a topic for almost anything. And the topic for today is, is you know, where is God in the midst of, of our suffering? And um, so to start things off, I would like for us to, um, I, want you, I want to share with you some scenarios, some questions, and I don't want you to raise your hand, if you're going to raise your hand at all, until I go through the list, and if one of these things pertain to you, I want you to raise your hand. Now, in the last year, has anybody here gone through some suffering, some real challenges, some real troubles? You know, maybe it's a, a problem with a, an illness that you've had, or maybe somebody close to you has had a terrible illness, or maybe there's been a, a death in the family, or somebody close to you has has passed away. Maybe it's problems with work as far as with employees or, um, or maybe with, with bosses or maybe it's a financial challenge. Maybe it's a problem with addiction. Maybe addiction you've struggled with or maybe someone around you struggling with an addiction is having um, challenges with your family. Um, any of these things here, and probably this can go on, on, anybody had any serious challenges in the last year? Raise your hand. Okay, most of the hands are going up. And for those of you whose hands are not going up, I guarantee your time is it's probably coming. Because what we see in our gospel lesson for today is that trouble is a part of life. The challenges we face are just our natural part of life. You know, why do we have to suffer? Why do we have to suffer? And we heard, you know, Jesus say right from his word in John 16, 33, he says, in this life, you will suffer. But fear not, I have overcome the world for you. So he says there's going to be suffering. Okay? No escaping it. But you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. Because I've done what is necessary to help you through any suffering you're ever going to face. I have your back. That's what he's saying. Now, I want to share some questions today, and I want to answer them with God's Word. And the first one is, why do we suffer? Well, we see that God allows suffering. Okay? He allows it. Does God cause suffering? Yes or no? He doesn't cause it. He allows it. Okay? What causes suffering? And I want to 
dig into Scripture to, to check and see where that comes from. What causes suffering? And if you want to grab a Bible and, and see for yourself, feel free to grab one in front of you there. Um, the first one is turn to page 6, right in Genesis. Page 6. Chapter 3, verse 17. We see the context, Adam and Eve fall into sin. Everything's perfect in the garden until sin comes into the picture. And after sin, we see, first of all, God makes a promise. He says, a descendant of Eve's going to cr- crush ahead of Satan. The first promise that Jesus will come and win the victory. But we still see the aftermath of sin in verse 17 and following from chapter 3. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is a ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you will return. And so what God is saying to Adam and Eve is now that sin has been brought into the world because you have chosen this route, everything's affected. Okay? The relationship they have themselves is affected negatively. The relationship they have with each other affected negatively. The re- relationship they have with God has been damaged because of sin. But also the relationship they have with the planet Earth. Sin has affected everything. We see this even um, deeper in, in Romans chapter 8. I want you to jump there next. So Romans 8, it's on page 1757, 1757. I used this one a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the new heaven, the new earth, and a judgment day. We see here that all creation is affected by sin. So chapter 8, verse 22, Romans eight twenty-two, and following. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Again, as we see in the Old Testament, sin has not only affected us. Sin has affected all of creation. So what causes suffering? Just think about some scenarios. 9-11. Did God cause that? No. What caused that was sinful people with an evil ideology did some terrible things. When two two people crash in a car, did God cause that? No. Human error. Okay? And so often the challenges, the problems we see are dealing with human situations, sometimes our own, sometimes from others. But what about, here's some tougher ones. What about like a hurricane or a natural disaster or a tornado? When I was growing up, there's a family we knew very well. Their house was hit by a tornado, and um, one of the, a son, one of the, the boys in the family died, and a girl was severely injured and her face scarred for the rest of her life. Did God cause that? The reality is all the creation suffers because of sin. The weather systems, everything. We live in a sinful, broken, fallen world, and there's going to be problems. There's no escaping it. God doesn't cause these things. And so sometimes even when the bad things start to happen, our natural tendency is to think, okay, God is punishing me. Ever feel that way before? God's punishing me, almost like he's throwing lightning bolts at me. Is that really the case? I want to show you an example in Scripture once again. It's from Luke chapter 13. 
Luke 13. It's on page 1619. 1619. This is actually a situation where Jesus lays out a lesson about this whole topic. Do people, are they punished because of their sin on this earth? There's always natural repercussions for sin. But as far as the punishment part, it says, in other words, some present at the time, this is verse 1, chapter 13, who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. For those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the other li- others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent... You too will all perish. So some people experienced some some terrible situations, like there's 18 that died because a tower fell on top of them. A lot of the Jewish people were thinking, ah, they're being punished. They must have done something terrible that God's punishing them for what they did. And Jesus says, what? No. In this life, things happen. There's tragedies. It's just going to happen. I'm not punishing. Ultimately, in a sinful, fallen world, things happen. So the question is, where is God in all of this? Where is God in the midst of all this suffering? And I've seen a lot of people in the midst of suffering, they're going to go one way or another. Closer to God or further away. People are going to get bitter or they're going to get better, depending on the direction they choose to go. And many years ago, I came across a three-year-old that had cancer. And his name is Jonathan. I've talked about him before, and I can't help but think about him again as far as, you know, he, you know, I walked alongside him for, for, for almost three years as he fought his cancer. And when he's five and getting closer towards the end of his life, I asked him one point, I said, are you angry at God because you have cancer? He said, no. He said, it's not God's fault I have cancer. So the reason there's cancer is because people are not taking care of God's creation like they should. I thought, wow, what a profound response. So they're finding more and more that what causes things like cancer is there's environmental issues that we cause of, of chemicals and, and um, hormones and, and different types of you know, things we put in the air, pollutants, and they're finding more and more these things have impact, even radiation. Things that we've infused into God's creation that sometimes are coming back to bite us. You know, we live in this broken world. Where is God? I want to share with you the rest of Jonathan's story. When he was three, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit put in this little boy's heart, I want to go to church. It was an unchurched family. And all of a sudden, they're in church one day, and I met them, and asked, why are you here? And they're, they're saying, well, our son wanted us to go to church. And so the mother, father, two older, um, his two older sisters were all there with him, and they never missed after that. They were there every single week. And I saw them all come to faith and grow in their faith. And Jonathan, this little guy was a giant in faith. And when he passed away, for his funeral, over a thousand people showed up. We had to have two buildings. We had to we had to use our sanctuary, and we had another building where we had to um, live feed the service into that other building. And as a result of what God did, you know, through Jonathan's life and through that service, many people came to faith. In five years, he had more impact on people's lives than, than almost anybody I know that I've ever met in my whole life. Because so often through suffering, God causes great things to happen. It says in Romans 8, 28, 
All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord who have been called according to His purpose. What works to the good? All things can work to the good if we trust in God. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. Where is God in all this? He's always with us. And sometimes I think we forget. Sometimes we get in our pity parties and we just kind of isolate ourselves when God is there all the time and he has all the ammunition, so to speak, to help us through any problem we're ever going to face. His shoulders are big. His shoulders can take the problem. You know, Matthew 28, we use this section a lot, but I want you to hear the last part of it, 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the marching orders, folks. He says, make disciples. Okay? Here's a challenge with the world. Here's a challenge with our country. A lot of people say they believe in Jesus, but their faith is not very deep. Okay? Because I think they've allowed themselves to be too protected. Or they've tried to do it on their own. Jesus says, make disciples. How do you do it? You baptize people, and then you teach them. And as, you get, as you're teaching them, you're also learning. And as you grow in faith, it's amazing what begins to happen. But I'm going to be with you every step of the way. He's always been there for us. Where is God in all this? You know, think about people in the Bible. Paul, the one who wrote Romans 8.28. We heard his, he also wrote Romans 5, 3 through 5. He says, I rejoice in my suffering. That sound kind of strange? Ever do that? Things are going bad. It's like, yeah, I rejoice in this. Ever, it may sound strange, but listen to what he says. I rejoice in my suffering because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's love that. We don't need to shy away from challenges, difficulties. Another hero of the faith, Peter. In 1 Peter and 2 Peter, he writes to a very persecuted church. A church is under a lot of pressure. He tries to encourage them. 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast how much of your anxiety? All your anxiety on him. Let him carry the load. He cares for you. And then the same um, letter in chapter 3, verse 15, he says these words. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. In your heart, set apart, this is Lord. I want you to just imagine, this is, you know, we're here, and all around us it's like a hurricane, just raging, all kinds of challenges, all kinds of problems, and the human tendency, we're focusing on the problems, just raging all around us. Peter's saying, set apart Christ Jesus as Lord in your heart. You know, look past the problem. Look to the solution. Look to the one who's got everything in control. Look to Jesus because this stuff is small potatoes to him. And the more you do that, all of a sudden the problems become small because what's impossible for us is what? Possible for him because he can do anything. And he wants us to realize this. 
This last week I did a little bit of studying about how diamonds come into existence. It's rather interesting. It's not from coal, by the way. It's like it's, it's actually a carbon-based minerals that is, is believed about 100 miles into the surface of the earth under huge amounts of pressure and incredible heat, diamonds are formed. And then through seismic activity, they come to the surface. And so if you're able to dig down about 100 miles, you'll probably find a lot more of them. But the bottom line is, it's under incredible pressure and heat that these beautiful minerals come into existence that have great value um, to to people on this planet. You see, our lives can be the same. When have you grown the most? In the good times? I doubt it. Probably the bad times, right? What happens when those bad times hit? You're humbled. You trust. When it's going good, it's like, hey, I got this. Everything's under control. And then what happens? Boom, you're going you're gonna to fall. There's going to be challenges. And, and I know this about churches. Churches that are willing to step out in faith. And, and that's, I think, God's calling us to, to not shy away from suffering. I think we want to have these peaceful, calm lives with, with no problems. But that's the boring way, folks. God has bigger plans for us. He wants us to grow, and he allows these things to happen in our lives. And some of the best witnessing that's been done in history in the name of Jesus Christ is through Christians who are persecuted because under pressure, the real you comes out. Realize that? And under pressure, if Jesus is in us, guess who's coming out of us? He's coming out of us for the world to see. And that's sometimes the most powerful witness. And that's what he's calling upon his church to do, to, to step out in faith. Churches that play it safe, they don't grow. We need to step out in faith even more. I think that you know, God has been blessing us in many ways, but I think even more we need to not be afraid to take risks. Because sometimes when you fall, great things happen. You know, growing up, I had a friend named Ron. And um, we're still good friends this day. And we used to go roller skating a lot in high school. And, and Ron was a very good roller skater because he was not afraid to take risks. He was falling all the time. I'd be skating by, and there's Ron on the ground. I'd laugh at him. Ah, he fell again. I never felt. Okay, I was too afraid to fall, but I just, I wanted to look good out there. So I just, I learned how to skate forward really, really good. Here's a challenge. Back in that day and age, for the couple skate, for those of you who can, you know, as old as I am or so, the guy's supposed to skate which direction in couple skating? Backwards. At least in Minnesota, that's the way it was. Backwards, Okay. I couldn't skate backwards. I wasn't willing to take the risk to learn how to do it. But Ron, he could skate backwards easy. So it came time for a couple skate. I'm on the sidelines, and Ron's out there um, with the girls. You know, he was willing to take risks. I think that's just that's a worldly situation. But when it comes to our lives in Christ, who are the people we're talking about today in the Bible? Look at the people in the Bible that, were, that had the most impact. Did they have easy lives? They suffered. And the ultimate example is Jesus himself. That he suffered. Incredibly. He suffered more than anybody. You know, we think sometimes we have it bad. He had it way worse. But yet he willingly suffered. And look what happened. The ultimate diamond. That Jesus through his death and resurrection brings to us eternal life. At great price and great suffering. I want you to see a video as I kind of wrap things up here. And this video is an example of what we should do in the face of suffering. It's um, 
a person from China that, that started a house church and took great risks to do what he did because in his country, um, to be a Christian could be put you in prison, be beaten, even killed. But look at his courage in the face of suffering. I think from him, we're going to see an example of how we should proceed when we leave here, leave here today. So please watch the screen. Here in China, there is such darkness. But even in the midst of this darkness, we are experiencing God's victory. I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on a business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. But we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. They want to control what God is doing. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In the city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in. In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. If you ask people on the street, most have never heard of Christ or read the Bible. No one in their family is a believer. The dangers here are driven by darkness, and that darkness can be quite fearful, especially when I think of my family. But God never fears, and He will overcome. So I want to go and share, despite being at risk. I minister to the neighbors that live next door or upstairs. I visit them often. I listen and I share in their life. When I get the chance, I tell the story of Jesus Christ and we pray. And the Holy Spirit works. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened. We discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. 
In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means I could go to prison. For who can have victory over God? Nobody. No matter what country. One example for for all of us. You know, in those um, in his house there, he sells those Bibles. They don't print Bibles in in China; they're smuggled in. In my last church, we had a number of people that um, they took trips to China um, as tourists, and some went to actually share um, to teach English as a second language because missionaries aren't allowed in. And they smuggle those Bibles over. and And one of the the couples came across a gal that um, you know they shared with her. She became a Christian, and she was she came to the United States for a year. And she had a fiancé who was an unbeliever, and she wasn't sure how he would react when she went back. But she came to our church and to our area because she wanted to be discipled. I spent a year with her, teaching her, training her, and she went back. And ultimately, um, her fiancé came to faith. They got married. They've had kids. Their kids have all been baptized. She started a house church, which has actually multiplied into to many more. And, and But I can't even stay in contact with her because of... The emails. They check the emails, and so I just hear from the missionary friends from time to time what's going on, and that to me is just so incredible. What do we do in the face of our suffering? We keep going on. We keep doing what's important. God's going to help us, no matter what we face, no matter what challenges. In this life, there's going to be problems. Okay, it's a reality. The question is, how are we going to deal with it? We get bitter. We get better. We try to do it by ourselves. Are we going to trust in this God who is bigger than any problems that we ever face? I love the ending of Romans chapter 8. That we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That hardships, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, that nothing at all can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, let's embrace suffering. Let's know that we're going to get through it. And someday we're going to a place called heaven where there is no suffering. In the meantime, God has a lot of work for us to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, sometimes we try to play it safe and in the process we're not being shaped and molded the way that we could be. Lord, none of us want to suffer, but yet the reality is no matter what we face, help us to realize that you're with us, that you can bring good out of any bad situation. And I pray in our lives individually, our lives as your church, that we grow in our witness and boldness to take risks, to, to put ourselves in situations where incredible things can happen and realizing that you are with us every step of the way. Where are you in the midst of suffering? You are with us always, to the very end of the age. We thank you for that. Amen.